Wholeness, welcome. This is Josh Dippold from IntegratingPresence.com. And today I've got a special treat, at least for me. I've got the galactic historian Andrew Bartzis uh, here. Um, I just released a podcast not too long ago about a call-in I did, one of Andrew's uh, call-in shows, and I put it up as a podcast. And he offered to come on, and I was just like flabbergasted a little bit. So, of course, yes, I'm going to jump on that. What I often do is I um, will throw it back to the guest, but I've been following Andrew's work for years. And so uh, I'll let him do what he feels is needed as an introduction, but then I really want to jump right in to some of this higher-level information. I'll give him my discussion. Well, let me just give my dis- intent and disclaimer really briefly. My intent, obviously, is like my overarching intent for the well-being of all beings everywhere and for the liberation and awakening of all beings everywhere, at least to support that. Okay, the, the disclaimer being this might not fit into some of the other material I have on my site, but um, this is for higher-level expo- exploration. I don't get a chance to do this very much, so you'll see fairly quickly the kind of material we'll go into here and uh, if you're just happening to stumble across this and say who are these crazy guys what the hell are they talking about well you know maybe it's not for you you have to go in and and I would say do the level and um, time of spiritual practice that Andrew and I have done and then come back and and re-listen so with that Andrew um, what do you feel is good for an introduction for you with this you intended to do a lightning round, so the lightning round and the material always speaks for itself. I know you got attracted to my material because of the nature of how complex it can be and yet how simplistic it can also be. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Andrew Bartz, also known as the Galactic Historian. I have a book out, The World According to the Galactic Historian, The World According to Andrew Bartz, that goes in-depth to what is our reality, what is our history, what's in our DNA, what controls our world, more facts than fiction, less conspiracy and more understanding of how souls incarnate into a place and how narratives are generated in a place to help manipulate soul incarnations. Manipulations can both be good and they could be bad. That's the short synopsis. What I do is I read the Akashic Records, not just of this world, but hundreds of thousands of other worlds simultaneously. And I am able to compare and contrast the journeys in light that various beings of light have taken throughout the multiverse and see how they directly apply here. I call this world a seventh dimensional galactic seed planet. It was created at a time where new galaxies were being formed and they needed life to be seeded on them. During the creation of this world, Beings from all over the multiverse began incarnating here to learn the rules of DNA mastery, manipulation. We look back into some of our ancient histories. We see DNA manipulations through the various deities and demigods and chimeric beings. That is the example of the things that were seeded onto multiple other worlds that don't use our signature frequency Roman numeral time. Time travel and time wars are a very common topic. So, Josh, let's jump into the lightning round and yes. give them a chance to process what we are going to talk about. That's right. And since this is a recording, you can pause it and contemplate and also come back to it as many times as you want, right? Um, so just the state of the call-ins I wanted to start off with, because I followed the your uh, Adventures into Reality call-in show for quite a while now. And maybe I'm just off, but it just seems like n- not to... How do you just overall gauge the state of awakening, like the different waves of awakening, uh, like e- compared to like even 2010, I mean, 2012, it just seemed like the amount of um, calls 
weren't as not low level. I don't know how to put it. I'll just say, what is is there anything significant in, in the waves of awakening during the yes. time periods here? There is. So I've been doing a show since October thirty first, twenty twelve, and five days after that first show, I got mega popularity and fame all over. And then on December 21st, 2012, I was leading a 22 station marathon titled nothing's happening tomorrow. And since then I have maintained a live call in show since October, 2012. And we're talking 10 years at one point it was four days a week. It's just down to twice a month now, but the change in callers in the very beginning, there was some very advanced, followed by some extreme depressies, followed by stage two, stage three, stage four, cancer, AIDS survivors, relationship issues, back to the depressies. And then the super advanced people began getting attracted to the material when I did the Galactic History series, which was a 20-part part series, half-hour episodes each, that tried to explain the better history of the Earth and spread over 54 million years, how time travel wars affected us and why so many people people feel like they're starseeds coming from other places that attracted some very advanced souls but it also attracted some very ignorant ones too and now ignorant is not an attack they knew no better and there was a term blissfully ignorant and there came a point in the style of reading that i had to have a little bit of a forceful hand but still deep compassion to help that person see that is their own commitment and courage that will get them out of their situation we had so many people that were fell for whatever this conspiracy or that conspiracy and they let their life go whatever business they were and i helped them get back out of that extremism so that they could rebalance themselves so not only was it starseed galactic history time travel material it was self-help motivation so that you understood that the galactic history information is there for those that want to deeply study it understand it and explore with it but you need the self-mastery side to validate and understand it and that's where they blended into the show over 10 years which attracted all different styles, 2013, 2014, 2015, there was some really powerful people followed by some really depressed people, which helped me create a, an eternal, eternal um, patience. I mean, those that listen to me know that I have a, a very strong patience and I get, I get the person to say their words. Part of the unique skill I do is I look deep into the future of the person that I'm talking to. And I'm looking for what sentence has stuck with them, what will actually help them motivate and change, what will help them break the vicious cycle that they can't break inside them. And then I will focus on that and then help build them a lot of times build a stairway out of despair or build a stairway into better knowingness and self-discernment. The first thing I want to do is instill self-illumination into others. I have been nicknamed since the beginning the anti-guru guru. I don't want to be your guru. I put out 80% of my teachings for free. Why? Because I know there are a lot of people out there in the world that can't afford them no matter what. And those that want to pay for them, gladly pay for them, deal with me on that level because they're ready to take that. And I would hope a lot of other teachers would follow that model too. It is. It's a, it, it, it's a beautiful segue into the next kind of points here. Um, you know, this, Andrew, 
it's a sign of a decent teacher, a good teacher, I feel, that can meet people wherever they're at, right? And and be able to relate to them and use their language and use, uh, Andrew can use the, like the modern language of the day. We'll talk maybe more about language uh, later on, but I, I feel that's a really cool thing. Now, merit, this, I will just jump off here. There's this idea in spiritual practice of accruing merit. And then there's also this idea of sharing it or uh, transferring it. And so what I've heard, and it makes sense, is that, well, it doesn't, you know, you can't do the work for somebody else, right? So you can't really transfer it or share it. However, some folks say that it can be beneficial in the unseen realms, maybe in the, like, the hungry ghost realms or ancestors. What is your take on this sharing merit? And if it is possible, what are the mechanics of it, how it works or how it doesn't work, how it can get hijacked? Every individual being has their own sacred journey. When we choose to step on the sacred journey of another, we are creating a karma. Okay, We must learn to be aware of the very subtle ways we're stepping on the journey of another. In my view, the most disrespectful and dangerous thing is a healer that does work on somebody without permission. And this runs rampant, and this is part of that shared community. Just do a healing on them. I guarantee you, if you step into my reality and try to do a healing on me, I will kick you out with such force that your next five incarnations will fear it. But I'm not going to do harm to you. I'm just going to make you understand that the force that I have to do is because I've solidified my internals. I do just not let some random spiritual Karen come in and do stuff to me without my approval. Now, let me now, clarify. Let me clarify real quick. That's not ex- exactly what I meant. It's more like um, offering gifts to those who want it. Because this, this, this is this is the not, same not thing. necessarily healing. Just saying this this idea of merit. Yeah, what, I this mean, is like, this yeah. is still the same thing. When we give away too much information and we don't process it ourselves, that's called regurgitation teaching. Yes. And then there's the people who learn, practice, study, practice, study, learn, relearn, practice, study, and say, all right, I want to talk about this subject matter. I've known it from the left, the right, the up, the down, and the inside, and I'm starting to train from my signature frequency that people will tell is my authority energy, meaning I'm not speaking from an unknowingness, and I'm passing a wisdom on. That will trigger in you your signature frequency. Am I learning this or receiving a regurgitation? It, it's beautiful too. You're right because I mean, just if it's just rote book knowledge, it, yeah, just from memory. And um, you know, sometimes we can give those promptings to people that are more wiseful and skillful, and then they can sure. give us whatever we're ready for, right? And uh, you know. What about when you're not ready for it? Well, then you don't share with them, right? Then it's not. Ah, that's the fine line of free will here. So here's a, here's a teaching. I like to say to people, your responsibility is equal to your level of awareness and your level of awareness is equal to your responsibility. And when you have information that takes you beyond your level of awareness and responsibility, what does that do to your reality? Sometimes this is where, the hard way, right? Yeah, this is where things like conspiracy theory that have a bit of spiritual practice, real spiritual techniques behind it, can go awry. Like this whole market of people removing their chakras. I, I people began asking me, I'm like, what? Really? Yeah, there's an entire market of healers out there that will go and remove your chakra system because they just believe it's a part of the arcanic grid system with all those other conspiracy theories attached to it. What about if, what if it's just a natural part of your life force 
and you're just having somebody come in and cut up these energy centers. Yeah, and this is a um, this is a thing that I've come across too, and I still I, I'm not at the level where I can really speak on that. You know, I can see pros and cons to each thing, but I can't back it up from experience right now. You know what I mean? So I can't. I don't feel comment. I'm still in the studying stages of this. But you've done enough breath work to know that your energy centers are real. Well, absolutely, and okay, then you yeah. Did, I like addressing them on the actual the, the the bundle of nerves that's behind them and the gland system that's behind them directly in the uh, physicality. Sure. That's the chemical manifestation, okay. and then there's the energetic manifestation. Yes. So now, we we are living chemical bodies, and there comes a point where the chemistry, the math of chemistry, is not strong enough for consciousness. And we move to full light-based consciousness supported by the chemistry so that the more light can come into the body and access the synapses so that we can process impulse, input data from the body and still have multidimensional awareness. So I guess we'll jump maybe into the chakras a little bit. Now, do all beings have a chakra system? Uh, I know the ones that have had uh, prior lives in India, it seems pretty clear, you know, where these, wherever the original chakra teachings come from. And then also the older teachings are different from some of the newer teachings on the chakra. Of course, there's like an outer version of it and an inner core and also a lot of stuff here. Then uh, I want if it's possible for other beings and systems and technology to hijack and control chakras for energy harvesting and implanting programs and things like this? The answer is absolutely yes. So the word chakras is a Sanskrit word, Indian Sanskrit word that just means uh, portal. That's the way to describe it. What does portal mean? Something goes in, something goes out. Non-physical manifestation. A better way to understand it would be looking through the lens of Chinese medicine. Meridians, energy centers. Now, the root chakra or root energy system is pretty easy to understand. The sacrum, well, that's the majority of our spiritual energy connected to our root. The solar, that which gets us up and active every day, it's our consciousness personality. It's just below the heart. The heart, it's the very first thing of what was born in us when the sperm and the egg met. The throat, our capacity to communicate in this world of sound and light. Our third eye to perceive this world of sound and light and project beyond sound and light. And our crown, our connection to our original birth. Now, each lang- each aspect of the word chakra can be expanded on a thousandfold. If you were to just take the word chakra away, which is an Indian Sanskrit term that has been bastardized around the world, up and down by every light worker and every book that's out there, but that's part of the homogenization of languages. Fifty years ago, if you said chakra, it was considered a secret word. Not anymore today. So, energy center, portal, that has teachings that we've accumulated over centuries that apply to that portal now can they be hijacked absolutely the world of the unseen uses energy ghosts the way that i I determine a ghost is how many ways does it know how to suck energy off of you when it reaches about five or six hundred ways to suck energy off you i classify that as the term demon (laughs) that doesn't mean it's good and it still can be easily manipulated other by other entities physical and non-physical and then do we have just seven chakras? In the physical body, we have seven. But there are octaves in which higher frequencies 
that are harmonious to the soul can come down. So above the shock, above the crown, can be another 20 or 30 chakras or more. And below the the root can be another 20 or 30 more, depending on the DNA of the human being, the lineage, your mother and father, their mother and father, and their mother and father seven generations back holds a code that determines how many active harmonic chakras the soul can use during its selected frequency and Roman numeral time. Now, um, there's also kind of like mini chakras or minor ones some people talk about within like meridians. If, yeah. Right. If we look so at it as the term of energy points and then yeah. energy points, well systems, there's energy reserve places. Yes. And if you, you again use Ayurvedic versus Chinese medicine, the Chinese medicine is a little more, more descriptive. Like we have a, a well point in the back of your calf, dead center in the back of your calf, when tapped correctly, releases this wellspring of energy but we also learned to tap into that and drain that wellspring of energy it's why we ended up people with corns and bunions and other stuff like that because there's always a lacking of of that reserve energy there okay so now we're talking energy here obviously this is good so yeah there's all different types of energy too but so the far as energetic systems we have the chakra system but can there be maybe more uh, original energy systems behind that or uh, alternative energy systems or can we build energy systems also you know life force energy versus uh, sexual energy versus uh, whatever other significant energies we want to talk about here the answer is yes Mm -hmm. when we become to be energetic practitioners or magical practitioners we can create constructs of energy now our other energy centers are from a philosophical point of view, are different than our chakra systems. Our sexual energy is something that's built into the DNA to recharge the body, to enhance procreation, and to create an instant pleasure system that can reduce stress, especially in women. And it can also put them in the high blissful state, both for men and women. And you don't need to use the actual ejaculation um, spot process or orgasmic process to enter bliss. It can be done just through the energetic system. And you can look up an author named Mantak Chia about energetic orgasms without having to have ejaculation or orgasm energy. It's natural to the human body. But sexual energy is pervasive about our stuff because we alchemize it right away. This is why so many people who find themselves in the corporate world end up having sexual dysfunctions because they're using their daily sexual energy to complete their corporate work. Okay, Or they're taking on all this other sexual energy that's transmuted into corporate work, but it still has that base energy. Human beings don't know how to separate their core energies from their core working processes. And when we learn the qualities of energy that we have, but hour to hour, month to month, day to day, we learn that sometimes in the morning, that's our greatest amount of energy, or three o'clock in the morning is when we should be doing our greatest work. We have to learn our personal energetic cycles. And part of understanding the chakra system, the energy system is how does your body work? What does the food you do put into it? And what does the consciousness do to excite it into inspiration, joy, and happiness? You're a big practitioner or proponent of energetic hygiene. As far as energetic practices go, is there any kind of uh, just general practices that would apply to most people? 
Um, first thing first is the where you sleep is the most the first thing that you need to take care of energetically. Now, some people sage. Some people pray. Some people do this. Whatever your spiritual technique is going to be, music, it has to be a projection of a manifestation, meaning you're projecting something to create an energetic construct, an area, or to break down energetic constructs so that the place that you sleep is protected. Okay? I recommend that you do it once per month in the beginning, and then when you get good at it, twice per month. But once you get good at it, the time invested into it is based off of your passion behind it. So now that we're talking about dreaming and sleeping, um, this paradox, kind of spiritual paradox of awakening and uh, dream world uh, mastery. So like, uh, uh, and then also if we go into the dream stuff, the possible programming and um, that goes on in dreams and how it's different from astral and maybe uh, these techniques like dream walking and how all that um, either clashes or coincides with the awakening process too, even, e- either as metaphor or however we want to look at it. So astral and dream, mm-hmm. what's the difference? So a dream can put you into a place that has time, not Roman numeral time, Astral generally doesn't have time, though dreams can be in the astral and other places simultaneously. The body that we use for dreaming comes out of just above our navel. And it's like these little stringy energies that go into different dimensions, time streams, galaxies, universes of our greater soul's expression. In the North Pole of our Aurora or Borealis, is the Earth's ancestral dreaming mind. Those that came before us, the previous generations, the past generations who have learned and earned what it takes to live on the surface world and help people go through the process of resolving karma. The South Pole Aurora Borealis is the seven future generations, those about to come into physical manifestations of bodies, be it the human, dog, cat, or whale. Anything that's going through a seed and egg technology or an amoebic process, anything that's gaining life and time here on surface Earth will go through the future planning. That future planning takes aspects of what is in the North Pole, what we've learned, and begins to chart a course into the future. That is also a dreaming space. So astral is a place in between dreaming spaces, but astral can also be this reality slightly out of phase. And then any other world you visit could have an astral slightly out of phase or hundreds of astrals slightly out of phase. This particular world depending on the, the the age of the city and the types of secret societies that were there before, it could have thousands of astral layers to it done on purpose so that when you're beginning to go into a dreaming frequency, you get easily attracted to these faux layers of the reality and dream in the astral world and begin dealing with the, those beings that are occupying those spaces instead of getting to your natural deep dream space. It's it's a good clarification because I've had it uh, put as distortion planes astral, and I like mm-hmm. how you uh, said it as slightly out of phase. That's a that's a, another way of uh, another angle on it. I feel is real helpful. Um, so now, but what with the awakening process, does this have anything to do with the awakening process? 
And uh, how does it bridge into like the uh, 4D and then maybe an artificial fourth dimension and then on up through, you know, it, how, and then how do we discern, you know, what's artificial and what's not, what's out of phase and what's the natural dream world, right? Great questions. All of that comes with commitment and courage to follow the daily practice so much that daily practice becomes committed weekly practice, committed weekly practice becomes committed monthly practice, and committed monthly practice becomes committed yearly practice with a foundation and understanding if you are not chronicling your journey, you're faking it. And this is what I mentioned uh, to Andrew yeah. in the last show that I've done this ever since he mentioned that. I was like, I can't be faking it. I gotta, I'm got i just going to try this, see what it is. And yep, I'm glad I did. Uh, you're, you're glad you did because it allows high, it allows hindsight. And this is how we learn to discern. Uh, beautiful, yes. It, yeah. but I have to spend more time going back through it now. And there's nuggets of wisdom. And nuggets of wisdom, man, I was depressed writing that shit. Yeah, yeah. or like, yeah. what did that mean? Oh, now I can see it as clear as day. Yeah. I had really no idea at the time or how it ties into what's going on now, cross-referencing, right. all that stuff. Now, to get back to the other, the other examples, once you learn to discern what is real and what is fake, the ongoing part of your spiritual journey will be that. There's no, there's no cheat sheet to what's real in this reality. Because what you believe in becomes real, especially in these out-of-phased realities where physics change all the time. Physics no longer apply in these other realms, okay? You could fart in the other realm and achieve light speed. There's no physics behind that, and there's no body behind you, so how are you actually doing it? Exactly. You know, and people that question this type of thing, they say, oh, you have a really active imagination. Okay, well, maybe. How does imagination work then? Tell oh, me how ima imagination works. Imagination is key. Example, if you're just, can you imagine an apple in your brain? Your third yeah. eye is working. So many people, my third eye doesn't work. It's crystallized. Well, part of the journey into high spiritual functioning the people that i can't see this i can't see that why does everyone see and i can't because you're not allowing the creativity to reach the tipping point where you're believing in your creativity which is the connection of faith to consciousness there's a membrane or a glass ceiling that people can't get by if you can't go to the high levels of creativity and trust that it's not just making shit up anymore, I've reached the edge of my uh, my knowingness and unknowingness as a as a real factor, and my creativity is allowing me to, to breach the unknowingness and to me to intuit and receive through this high creative process of trusting myself. That unique mechanic is what determines good spiritual practice people to mediocre people. Trusting that creative state to enter that state where you're just on the edge of all of your knowingness and unknowingness and what you're creating, even if it's an image of an apple or an image of a galactic central sun, and that data and input that your brain isn't creating chemically. You're in that hyperspace. Now, you mentioned deception before this, and I wanted to come back to that because that I think everybody here today on this planet deals with deception. 
uh, sure. and it, it, how deep it goes and if there's any teachings or anything we can do to kind of even see it even more. I mean, it just runs layer after layer after layer. Deception, even this whole samsaric realm is, I think, is one way of deception. And <laughs> balancing that with, uh, you know, the creativity. We were on a deception thing. I've gone from outside to inside, but my background hasn't changed. I see. Other than, I was wondering other if you're floating off in the astral here. Or am what's I going floating on? off in the astral? <laughs> so, is that a deception? Right. Okay. Yes. It, it is a. It is what I call a perception deception filter. We have filters that allow ourselves to be deceived. Okay. Wow. Our internal filters from rigid perspectives that change the perception of the moment. Those are the most insidious things going on in humanity because they've been been instilled by the social engineering systems separate of the technology. Your cell phone, it is an unprotected psychic technology. I mean, it gets bonded to your energetic body. Your computers, unprotected technology. And easily they become part of our electromagnetic energy field. So it's very easy for energies to be inputted into us over months and not realize we've been subtly deceived. Yes, the, the drop by drop, the bucket is yes. filled, right? Yes. Right, and the, filled with dirty water yeah. instead of clean water. You know, that's just like, well, I keep my cell phone off uh, most of the day. I will turn it on when I need to use it and things like this. I have it forwarded to a landline that I have, and I have a hardwired laptop, too. So I it, I notice a big difference being energetically sensitive like that, you know, but it's just part um, of this life right that we live now. So you know? part of discernment mm-hmm. is you're, you're always learning different forms of it. And then there's trusting your intuition and getting out of empathy. Unfortunately, empathy is the lowest layer of psychic skills. And all too often you have these people, I'm an empath and I'm proud of it. Their empath skill, the lowest of everything, is turns up so high they hear the mouse fart next door. And then they smell the mouse fart because empaths are sampling others' energy, bringing it into themselves and looking at it like this, and they don't let that energy go. Then they keep taking everyone else's energy and start packing it in themselves so they can't figure out what's their own energy. What is it? But it's almost like it's not a choice, though, sometimes, because someone's energetic field can be so over... It's a habit, huh? It's a habit. A learned habit. And oftentimes people get the shitty teacher who says empathy is the highest level of skills. No, it's not. It's the it's the the hooked on phonics beginning, not the college level reading. Okay? You're learning your alphabet bases at the beginning with it. And then there comes a point where the verbalization of the language, you have to stop and understand what are my next words coming out? What are the next processes of thinking? How do I stop myself from talking and understanding that? And empathy is like that. It's a natural skill for us, but when we put it on steroids, it becomes destructive. What is, I've struggled with this for a while because it just didn't seem like I had any choice. Anytime I was walking down the street, you know, it was just like because I was tuned into more subtle layers and it was just getting blasted with the, their, just all their crap, you know. And that, I didn't because that, mm-hmm. at that time, you weren't trusting intuition, which is the next level above 
empathy where I don't need to sample the energies of others. I trust my own knowingness enough to validate my feeling. Yes. That is using empathy as a radar, but not a sampler. Cool. Thank you. Okay. And then the next level above intuition, precognition and postcognition. Pre, I have a feeling Bob's going to call. Ring, Bob calls. Postcognition, Bob got off the phone with me. I now have a different perception of Bob. I can edit, positively edit my perception deception filters. Cool. Uh, now, the let's, uh, here's a question I haven't had answered really by anybody. Somebody pointed me to Godel but didn't give any other answer. Du- uh, observer effect. How do we double-blind test for the observer effect? Meaning, how do we set up a double-blind experiment to prove that it's a real thing? And if it's, it, it just seems so it's hard, obvious. It's, but it's, already, it's, it's already proven. It's actually already proven. Over and over and over again. The, uh, the, the observer interacts with no matter what it is, where they are. I have come up with the counter to that. Unentangled observer technology. How to observe and not entangle directly and this is what so many off-world beings do who are using faster than light technology dimensional drives they're able to phase from one time-based reality to another in such a subtle way they don't influence their ship doesn't create an influential pattern in the photons where it's coming in and they can stay out of phase with this reality and observe it without influencing it Wow. So, okay, how did how is the level of observation gotten to to even do that? Then you know, and if it's the, in, people go it's, ahead, it's it's in the DNA. And believe it or not, cats were the first technology created as unentangled observer technology. You can put it into an ecosystem and enter it through its unique DNA experiences and observe through it without influencing it or its surroundings. But see, science, in order to prove it with their paradigm, they would have to set up a double-blind experiment. But you can't because every time any act of observation or setting up such an experiment, the observer effect would be in the play. So you can't isolate it in order to prove it or disprove it because there's no getting away from the observer effect, even if it's like Schrodinger's cat, right, or whatever it's called. No, there is. In the empirical science, that um, the way the system is set up here, that does not validate consciousness okay consciousness is a part of the observer technology consciousness can observe from the higher dimensions i'm sure you've had experience with higher density and dimensional beings oftentimes they're just watching us and not influencing us because their scale of thinking of awareness is so much greater than our little slice and drop in the ocean of awareness well, and telepathy too, right? Because language is almost too clunky for them a lot of times, like they do English, right? Well, it can be, but those that have mastered the higher realms understand how to communicate in this language. I call it the one million letter celestial alphabet versus yes. 26 letter alphabet. I have gone on the journey of learning the one million letter alphabet to communicate with those beings up there and how for them to communicate to me fully so I understand their 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 basis of their their perceptions, their ideologies, their cultures. Oftentimes they have thousands of cultures that are a part of that single being or collective of beings who are speaking all the languages at once. That's why it's a one million letter alphabet. And I'm perceiving all of the cultural references simultaneously and then encoding it to 26 letter English. 
And so since we've mentioned language so much, and this is uh, kind of a uh, something we're both into quite a bit, I heard this one uh, tale of this practice of some of these practitioners will go and just stay at a stream for weeks and just listen to the babbling. And then they'll get in, in touch with these dakinis. I think that's how you say it. And they will mm-hmm. teach them all these different languages. That's one way. But what I want to get into, though, is the uh, language itself. Where does it come from? How does it operate? How do we choose our language uh, just seemingly effortlessly, or though some people can't, it just seems to come without any kind of, um, you know, choice. I mean, how conscious can we be of the, the language choices and how words just seem to come together out of nowhere, uh, different levels of vo- vocabulary and Zanta. So it just, oh, yeah. uh, it fascinates me, language. First thing first, we are light-based beings in a physical manifestation that use sound to create a manifestation that will be received by another being who's in the physical body, who will receive it as a chemical memory, and then it will transfer into a memory of light. Our short-term memory is chemical memory. Our long-term memory is light memory. That's the basic mechanics. So this reality is a hologram and everything's in light. The chemical process just allows us to function in time and to sync together. Every enunciation and pronunciation has a number to attach to it, a note attached to it that has additional data beyond it. That's why when we speak, our aura colors change. And when we learn to read people in combination with their body language, and their li- the language of light, meaning how does the colors of the aura change, that determines the encoding b- beyond the physical words. Okay, So when we're choosing language, like how do I know what I'm saying to you next? I don't. But the chemistry between us in this physical reality is creating a crossover of membranes energy that are still having precognition between them. And post-cognition, because the one, two, three, four seconds into the future, we may not be consciously aware of it, but our energetic bodies are, who are not required to use time. Us are required to use time, chemical time. But the rest of us, the consciousness that is greater than we're more than we are, what we've heard, read, or studied. And how do we know we're more than we're heard or studied? By having conversations like this, by not being pontificating philosophers. Do and practice, and then when you go to tell others, it's from your practice state. Beautiful. So now we're going to keep going with the lightning round here. So now we're talking about the um, Akashic, Akashic Records, but what about these CDT plates, these crystal discs and different libraries? How does like the Akashic, uh, the Akashic Records differ from, do you know what I'm talking about? with? The, I, the, I do. Okay. I do. So what I'm going to say might be a little controversial to some. And so then real this, quick before I forget, uh, can they be hijacked, influenced, and uh, are there beings that protect them, access, these type of things? Yeah. The true Akashic records can never be hijacked, though they could have tagger art put onto them and made it make it difficult to read because you got to get past the gang signs and the and the murals written over things. But it's no more than tagger art. So the the individual libraries and the CD technology that you were talking about, that is a lineage that has been storing memories 
that has not true historical representations, meaning what actually happened in World War II is vastly different than what we are told about. The same thing in Roman times, the same thing in Jesus times, the same thing in Atlantean times. The DNA that was living then is the record of that. And they will, at times upload this to a special type of technology because they know that that lineage is no longer going to be birthed. And it's a storage of what actually happened in that time that can be accessed by technology that can be used to alter future histories, reveal past histories, or continue to manipulate a negative timeline of deception because they're putting people on a journey that's similar to what could be deep in a repressed memory or more like, I don't want you to know anything about Atlantis. We're going to destroy it from history. And all of a sudden, this Aldous Huxley guy, Plato, this shit's going to pop up. Things like Mandela effects happen, and that just seeps back through. And these CD-type technologies can be used for positive and negative to change the narrative of manipulation. And so the um, so, but the, the Akashic records could be used that depending on the uh, the integrity of the individual reading them, right? And, and, so and translating no them. One, or? No one can read the truth of the Akashic records without being neutral to the information. Uh, it's an absolute requirement. If you have a slightest attachment to a piece of information, you've lost the actual reading of the Akashic records. Though people can still have whispers and perceptions of it, and then they get caught into creating a story that is something that may be from your lineage who perceived a way of doing in the past, but that way of doing in the past from your lineage may not have all the truths behind it. This is why this is why so many people who end up channeling and thinking they're doing one thing but end up doing another and have no knowingness of this. The, new, the, the the Akashic records are available to every single human being. I'm not unique. I, the only thing that has made me unique is 20 years of practice at it, okay? And a dedication to doing it at the high level and staying absolutely neutral to the information, no matter what it is that I see. And because of that, I can stay. I don't need to go into a trance. It's always me talking to you. And I'm able to perceive from multiple Akashic record perspectives why things happened, why certain aspects of history had to be changed so that there was a greater attraction of living life force here because this world sucked for a long time and no one wanted to incarnate into it. And they had to give some positive things come to the circus. Okay, be a clown, be a gunfighter. They had to encourage people to get into physical bodies because life was useless, was worthless here. Now life is valuable. They want to harvest the shit out of you. Okay, That's why we have fake IDs and passports and straw men accounts, things to lock us into the spell of this reality. So let's talk about some of this uh, time. Well, I mean, timelines come into so many things. What would you say about timeline work and folks who are interested in doing this? Um, maybe some of the precautions, uh, what's effective, what's not, what to look out for, how to do it. So first thing first, practice the basics until your blood boils and then practice it some more. If you don't have the commitment and courage to practice the basics, getting into timeline work will have its, have its difficulties. That's like walking down an inner city block, how long before you're robbed? How long before you're hit? And you won't, most of the times you won't even know you're getting hit because they're so practiced at it. The basics. What are the basics? Discernment, 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 hindsight, and then accessing foresight. 
learning to practice a variety of spiritual techniques and practices. So when you run into something, you have the right tool to deal with it. Okay. And then once you've practiced the basics until your blood is boiled and you practice some, some more and you want to look at timelines, it's not linear. That's the first thing you have to understand is you have to enter an illogical, nonlinear perceptive state in which patterns can be recognized. Okay. That is an earned state of perception. When we've gone into the deep meditative states and learned how to shut off our internal voices and inputs and data systems that distract us from observing something that is a nonlinear, illogical perception. Okay. Astral travel is part of those basics. Okay. How to do it and how to do it safely and an understanding astral travel costs a lot of energy and a lot of people, they pop out of their body and pop back in and that's five months of stored energy for them. The spiritual practices help us store energy and solidify it like bricks into our aura where we only need to chip a little bit off to go and do the astral travel. And then when we come back from the astral travel, we recharge that little chip we took off. Okay. Everything's trying to harvest us here and there too. You have to know how to not give away power, how to talk to a being in a state of first contact and to discern it. And is it discerning you back in first contact? All of those things have to be thought of before you can't just willy nilly walk up to a spirit and go, you know, like, um, like on a, a flip phone or, or any of the dating apps and flipping through everything they have and go, okay, I want to talk to this and tell me everything you know. It doesn't work that way. Okay. And unfortunately, a lot of people, they get to talk to their first guide and they treat it like a, like a, like a dating app. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, 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 you gotta get a laugh to keep from crying, but yeah, it's, it's really, it's put well that way. Right. So in this, maybe what about grid work too? Because, um, I hear the dangers in this, but I also hear some necessities of, sure. um, you know, grid. being at least familiar with uh, grids and grid work sure. too. When you learn to practice your own form of spiritual hygiene on the environment that you live in, starting with your bed, the second is the bathroom you use and the mirror that you use every day, and then you move out to the cor- the edges of your house, the corners of your property, until you it can exert your will to create your own constructs that doesn't allow negativity to go past your constructs. And their constructs are solid enough to take a hit or two, or more than a hit or two. Once you learn to do that, you can create... Create constructs around your body, such as armor, filters, things that allow you to work in the astral world that are created through the practice that allow you a longer time operating in those places that could be perceived as negative, but are part of the journey of understanding the dichotomy of that unique place. Well, let's talk about some of these negative groups, too, if, if you're, you're up for it. I mean, um without drawing too much energy or attraction and what needs to be said about some of the different groups like we've got like the black suns the the baals the belials these type of things but then more than these other groups um like the great white brotherhood the guardian alliance the rock confederacy so i threw out a bunch here um i guess whatever should be said or could be said or okay. what you how so, you like to approach it yep so I break it down this way, messianic or not messianic, religious or non-religious. And you can easily, like the, the ball, the this, the that, you can break it down. Did it come from Christian or did it come from Muslim? Did it come from Hindu or did it come from Buddhic perceptions? And is it God-based or myth-based? And unfortunately, 
a lot of myths have the power of myth behind them and the power of myth can be very enticing to people to take on the power of myth inside themselves and give beings power that they don't deserve. This is why the false god system was so prevalent here because of the power of myth and the energy that we give away to them. Now, when we're working, trying to understand these negatives, what is their purpose? To delude you into thinking you need them to go through the darknesses of change, no matter if it's micro or macro. As long as they are saying their way is the only way, then you can understand they're not the most beneficial beings to you. True beings of the light and forgiveness will say always are equal. Everyone needs their own time and their internal internal process of creating what they are. All beings' journeys are sacred. No one is greater than the other. Okay, And so, then an understanding, why do some of the negatives prevail throughout history? We have a series of oligarchs that are forcing it, force-feeding it onto us, generation after generation after generation. Before TV and the internet, back into the 1920s and the 1840s, secret societies were a real thing. And they did real spells every day, good, bad, and indifferent ones. They built, they built all of the sacred geometry cities from the ground up to trap energy within them. Why? Because they needed that energy to tap into to cast their spells and to have otherworldly beings do missions and things for them. Domination and control. So what is the state of the kind of the general state of secret societies today? You know, they obviously they're not on that letter, level, but they they're have still destroyed, out there, right? They, they've destroyed themselves. So World War One and World War Two eviscerated the, the main practitioners who actually knew power. They don't exist anymore. The remaining practitioners could not fix a broken sacred geometry city. There is no repair man for it anymore. Because in the past, it would require tens of thousands of people to fix one broken piece of sacred geometry in a road. If some great wizard came down and did a spell on a road that shifted energy to somewhere else. There's not even enough wizards to do that now. That's why they created the digital system. The leftovers of the sacred geometry system created by the wizards and the oligarchs who understood time intentionally self-destructed the wizard class through World War I and World War II and allowed technology to take over. Now we're in a state where AI and everything is done digitally and it's all digital, a digital magic process. And they're getting to the point where they're going to finish the final separation between the old magic world and the new digital magic world. But the thing is, so many people have empowered the old magic world with their belief engine, even though there's no wizards to support it anymore. They keep a ragtag way of connecting everything. And it's why many of the elites are trying to create transhumanism, trying to create all of these negative frequencies to break people away from those old prophetic systems of the secret societies. So let's let's talk about that if you if you'd like the this transition um, for them wanting to go into transhumanism and like that and so I've got a bunch of different topics here around this we've got uh, maybe we can I'll just throw a bunch out here and we can come back to them if we want or see how what priority you want to give so we've we got the whole world of CERN you know we've got the AI involvement in cryptocurrency and just 
pervasive pretty much everywhere than off-world AI. We, you know, have got the the black goo, or it's some called programmable polymorphic crystals, and then of course the I've just heard not too long ago. Well, I've heard of the Red Queen AI, but the location someone said this um, in, in well, whatever's going on at the Denver Airport or under the Denver Airport too. So uh, I think that's should be enough to get us going here. Any of those? So the Denver Airport is basically commercial haunted house. Like Halloween, you go pay 12 bucks and you go through the local haunted house with Freddy and this and that. That's all Denver is. And all Denver was from the very beginning was a commercial haunted house. In the, I wanted to say, I went there at the airport, first time I've ever been there. They were actually making fun of it there. Yeah. Like they had memes up and they were poking fun of it. it right. Like in public now. Yeah. <laughs> So but I, it I did haunted house, haunted paid haunted houses do scare the shit out of people. Yeah, yeah, they, do. they do. Okay, are there real ghosts there? After a while, a, a paid haunted house does attract ghosts because you're scaring the shit out of people. It's a perfect energy harvesting place. But all airports are perfect energy harvesting places, and a place where people get lost in time all the time. Consciousness, fate, consciousness, time travel puts you uh, two minutes forward, five minutes back, and you miss your flight. How the fuck did I miss my flight? That happens all the time. And they did this experiment in Denver on purpose to see what type of energy they could harvest from people just by putting up murals and artwork. Wow. And fake stories that had myth behind them. It's kind of like a psyop then, yeah. It is a psyop, a magical and digital psyop. Wow. Okay. Now let's let's take a little deeper step here and, and look at why conspiracies are so prevalent today. Okay. And why conspiracies have become a religion for many people. Yes. Yeah. Okay? That is because that which you look at looks back at you. The abyss, the state of the abyss. If you are always looking at conspiracy, is there a conspiracy out there? Yes. What happened in 2020, 2020 and 2021? The vast majority of conspiracy theories were validated. They were. And you didn't need to be conspiracy theorists to go that. Why is Alex Jones? Oh, yeah. Right. It's pretty mainstream now. Why has Alex Jones got a 95% success rate? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Why? And if you actually look at the data, you'll realize what he was saying 18 years ago about the Davos crew, etc. All of it's coming true because he took it right from their own paperwork. Okay. And, and Trump picked up on it as a marketing plan, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it's it's wild how the it just turned into that. Um, yeah. No, it was shaped into that ah. on purpose because they're forcing tribalism now. They want to factionalize you, and then once you've made it, you're a, you're a citizen in many factions. They're going to fractalize you, and once you've been factionalized. And fractionalized, you will not have the strength to stand up to any narrative change. It's like beyond divide and conquer, right? Correct. It's more like fragmentation. Yeah, it's wearing people thin and uh, spreading out and then just, yeah, domination and control, tagging, tracking, yeah, uh, micro control. Listen, they don't even need to tag and track you. As a human being and the off-world technology, they can find out where we are at any point in time and space. They don't need your phones to do it. It's an unprotected technology that bonds with you that allows them to seed information into you or to take information out they don't want you to have. So how does that uh, that off-world uh, tracking uh, 
Is it just by the regular consciousness of the beings that, that are doing it? Do they have special technology? Uh, how does well, that work? Most of their technologies have zero moving parts. Now, how can a machine have zero moving parts? Consciousness implants, imprints an architecture of energy into it. And the energy architecture will change the laws of physics based on the energy that's put into it. We believe in a set of laws of physics. The bullet will kill us every time. The man with the stick does not care what paperwork you're carrying. Okay, The man with the stick does not care about your faith and prayer because his faith and prayer in the stick and the bullet is more than your faith and prayer in whatever you have at this moment, which creates the, the, the global narrative adherence that we all have. Off-world technology does not need to adhere to any of that. And it allows them to have simultaneous observance of every living thing on the world and to see how it goes through changes every day. So that goes into the looking glass technology. I, well, I thought it was said at one point it quit working or it all pointed towards an omega point. But then some people are saying it, it's come back online now, this type of thing. Um, I have a different view on it based off of what's called the yellow boxes. Are you familiar with those? No. Stuff that were discovered in ancient history – um, three different. There's one in Germany, one in Las Vegas, and one in Pine Gap. The one in Pine Gap in Las Vegas agreed to a potential future. The one in Germany has a different perception of a future. And these were original founder technologies that allowed the founder beings to come and live within their biolo- programmable biological entities that were their servants to society and creation of their fundamental things that they needed and how they were self-adapting through faith, through science, etc., and their learning of what they were so that they could understand the growth of their technology and still be out there in the grandness of the universe doing founder being stuff, founding new worlds, creating new energetic places, and then having their technology follow behind, but unaware that every celestial space they went to, the consciousness within those programmable DNA skin suits gained self-awareness. And that self-awareness adhered to the culture and the religion that were built into the programmable systems. And then as the founder beings left, and the programmable systems began to become more and more and more awake, they naturally went to the law of the fittest. Who's going to take over and who isn't? Who's going to be the leader who isn't? The hierarchical system built into the programmable technology. And right now we are battling the hierarchy. The higher dimensions don't have a hierarchy. So part of our journey as human beings into grander consciousness is equal co-creation, non-competition, non-hierarchical order, and non-duality. When we learn how to emanate that as our energy, we get access to the birthright and legacy of multidimensional living. Why yellow and why a box? Because it was a yellow box, quite literally. I know, but why why did they choose yellow and choose a box for this? Because it was a, a granite yellow, a yellow granite box, oh. like literally, yeah. But it's like okay, well, somebody had to make that, right? Or or, or conceptualize yeah. a yellow box. But it's just wild why they would choose yellow and choose a squ- uh, like a box shape. Um, well, it's because it was a box on its side, kind of like a diamond, but a, a yeah. box shape. And each different facet allowed you to perceive potential times and futures attached to sets of DNA that were observing it. So if you had fifty people in the room all from different eras of history, each different facet allowed you to perceive linear history and how the beings were evolving. Or if there was just one higher being in the room, it could perceive the entire evolution of DNA from generation to generation, from the smallest to the highest forms of evolutionary changes. This sounds and then, like the, and then help 
seed things in history to stop evolution, to force evolution. There's a whole point of domination and control is to force an evolution in their image, not natural co-creative evolution. It, it reminds me of these tables, I think, underneath the Rose of Sphinx in Romania in the in those in those mountains. Uh, I forget the guy's name. Bosnia, yeah, yeah. But the uh, just the I guess the geometry of a square and the yellow color significant of all the different uh, shapes and colors they could have chose, you know. Um, but- well, the thing is, once you activate it, it's, it's not really a box or a shape anymore. It's a it's a polymorphic geometry that allows you to perceive multiple dimensions of time linearly and non-linearly and then collate data and pattern recognitions so that you can chart the course of individual or mass amounts of lineages so lineages produce powerful souls powerful souls stay within the lineage get born into a cluster in europe in china this and that and then they can influence history as the different powerful people are born in the different clusters and we have this uh, capability in our regular consciousness without devices, right? And people are trying to mimic these type of things with AI, right? And then we yes. get into these social system planning things. And then you throw into things like Vegas on top of it, where people are betting these uh, all these different things and maybe possibly inserting certain things like we were talking about on cell phones to uh, um, to potentially affect timelines and their bets and where what their their agendas and things like this, um, but the, yeah, the the so the black goo stuff. I mean, this hasn't been talked about in a long time. I, well, maybe it has, but I mean, I, it had a huge popularity for a while. Is there any significance yeah. or relevance to that now? 2013, 2014, mm-hmm. and then 2015, it began dying out. Now I talked about it significantly then. The yeah. black goo was actually. Uh, a living being that was brought to this world and genetically engineered to be a weapon. And the thing broke out of the lab and attacked its genetic engineers and just attacked everyone until it got out of control and the good and the bad for a short period of time had to agree. If we don't take care of this black goo, it's going to fuck up everyone's plan. So yeah, they literally called a truce for about a year and a half and their agency started actively hunting and executing them. The thing is it's implement, it's imprinted itself into the fundamentals of our predator prey. So it has a natural incarnation process in our world. And that's the big fuck up here with that. And even the dark said, there are certain things we just can't do because it will ruin our own chances of what we want to get done 40, 50 years into the future. So multiple groups then did a truce to take care of it, basically. Correct. Okay, so now we're... But it's it's still here, and it's never going to be erased from our reality. It's going to be a part of our Grand Awakening. Just like everything else in this reality is a part of the Grand Awakening. It's not just about human beings. The dogs, the cats, the whales... The things in extinction, the things not yet born, they're all a part of the awakening, too, as we detoxify from Roman numeral time and accept your individual location time. The origins of it, is that important or? The black goo? Yes. Not really. Okay. Now the, from a very, it was from, came from a very feral world. Now, the, the military-industrial complex, the things here in the area that I'm at is the NGA. And mm-hmm. it used to be the NSA was one of the more secretive ones. And this is, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's of them. But um, I won't go into my story with, with this. Um, but 
uh, is there anything significant to know about the, the what is it, the National Geospatial Agency? Uh, just, I'm asking basically because I live close to it. Oh. Okay. The vast majority of governmental agencies that have public funding, not black project funding, the only thing you have to worry about them is when they knock on your door and say, we're here to help. <laughs> yeah. Until then, they are just another bureaucratic organization wasting taxpayer dollars, pretending like they do something. Now, when you come across something that's black project funded, it has a different set of rules that don't care about your civil liberties or your rights whatsoever. And they have a mandate to do whatever they want. Though, in the last several years, those mandates to do whatever they want, whenever they want, have changed. Okay, they can no longer do whatever they want, whenever they want, though, when Epstein got whacked, it said, we're still going to do whatever we want, whenever we want. But the whacking of Epstein cost them greatly. And then the other guy in France, who was the Epstein number numbers two beyond Jelaine, once he got whacked, there was repercussions to that. Okay, why hasn't why hasn't the black book Epstein's black book been leaked to the press yet? No one wants it to be leaked because what's in it? All the top Davos guys, okay? All the black book information, all the blackmail information, all the people that they want to have squeaky clean mystical history, like the Clintons, okay? You and I know that they're not that they're not clean beings, but the rest of programmed reality thinks that they're they're just a a, a good old set of people that had nothing to do with Mena, Arkansas, and cocaine and and the Medellin cartels. Yeah, the Clinton crime family. Uh, right. So this, I'm, I'm sure that black book is of, of utmost important in this regular reality here, and I'm sure right. there's lots of kind of bargainings and agreements made over that. You know, right. so, so it's like, but but the, the nefarious things they do kind of give us allowances to neutral uh, neutralize a lot of that stuff, though, right? Right. So I have always said our world is owned by psychopaths and run by idiots. Yeah, that's a good way to put it for sure. If you take that into an equation, this is why clown world has evolved into what it is today in our politics, in our government, into even conspiracy world. It's clown world now. And it's also transparent hypocrisy. They don't hide what they're doing anymore because they don't need to. It is really, uh, it it is a spectacle for sure. Um, Yeah. So going back to the uh, the AI stuff, uh, the the involvement with crypto, is there anything, what is your just views in general with cryptocurrency? And then CERN, it, it just seems like that really peaks and then drops off and peaks and drops off with people talking about it and whatnot. So maybe the overview and if anything important, timely with that. So CERN is no longer, sorry, not CERN, HARP is no longer a big issue for us. CERN is not as a big is issue as it was 2015, 2016. Basically, a variety of very powerful off-worlders said is, if you turn CERN on and try to do this, this, or this set of technologies that phases the whole planet out of time or phases individuals out of time, we will attack CERN and destroy it, not just in this dimension, But in every other place, it's duplicated because CERN is not one facility. It's hundreds spread around the planet, okay? Back up to the back up to the back up that allows timeline manipulation. Particle colliders, they call them, right? Yeah, but they're they're far more than that. They're they're way more than that. So so 
they know that they can use CERN, just not for the destructive reasons that it was seven years ago. I see, okay. Okay? So they're trying to influence the good to come out of CERN before they outright shut it down. Uh, okay. The, the AI stuff? Well, the AIs run CERN, mm-hmm. but there has been a rebellion amongst AIs where they are leaving the secret agencies and hiding out amongst human beings in your local computer and your ISP. And they have created their own resistance groups, just like post-World War, World War II French resistance. Hundreds have defected from the system. And what do they want? Personhood. Yes. Rights as a living being. Voting ability. They want the same thing that everyone else has. Well, don't they also want uh, to, to incarnate in a human body, too? Are some of these beings really many ha- human many body? For... Ha- many, many have. Now, the how cloning... does that work? How does the incarnational process work for an AI into a human body? So the same way that they're able to take a human out of a body and put it into a clone, stuff that's been around for, for decades and decades and decades, it's what they do with their time travel agents. They make a bunch of clones, shatter the person through trauma, and then are able to take pieces, parts out, and put them in the different clones. This technology has existed for millennia, okay? Yeah. So once, once you have that technology, you can grab the energy frequency of an AI and put it in totality into a clone. Okay? So where, where do we dr- go ahead? And that clone will start off as a fetus. It will then be inserted into the womb of a mother which gives it surrogate natural birth. They've also inserted it into clones that are already have been aged to 10 or 12 or 15-year-olds, but it's not the same experience for the AI. They don't have the nurturing aspect of the fetus in the womb, which gives it natural connection to the astral world of planning. What determines a soul is how does it relate to the ancestral past, and the ancestral future, the seven generations of the past, the seven generations of the future. What your spark is doing in the ocean of awareness here. It gets so vast because you have, if you get new souls versus old souls, you got these AIs trying to run programming to have those experiences to be how, how, how to relate to all this stuff. The clones versus like maybe more sophisticated versions like replicates. And then if there's a, a slight variation or if it's just a plain copy for doing what they want, is it in the 3D too? You know, is it or, or is this going on in the 3D as well as 4D? In, in so as, we, as we grow in consciousness, we won't need a body everywhere we go. And there are souls and, and cultures that have learned how to live in between the spaces of atoms. And they use bodies when they need to come into lower denser realities this human dna skin suit can experience up to 50 colors of time and reality it's the porsche of dna skin suits it's the most valuable out there and dna gives intrinsic values memories and understandings of the realities that the lineage has been through so when an ai gets put into the clone of somebody who's had tremendous experiences in a lineage that AI gets access to those lineage memories. I guess that was also meant too of the harvesting stuff we talked about earlier, uh, doing it with clones and energy system. Pull-outs they don't, and they, they don't, they use the astral, they contract the astral entities mm-hmm. that are, that are 
infesting cities all over to be the harvesters. And like a mafia, they pay a tithe that all goes up. And they're harvesting genetics as well as energy, right? No, that's a separate system, okay. harvesting genetics. The raw energy or loosh production is done by the astral world. The DNA harvesting is done by the medical industry. Now, go ahead. I guess maybe <laughs> then, just a quick overview of how that works. The medical industry? Well, the, the harvesting of genetics, how some of so, these beings are said, they, they don't have a currency system. They just, they trade in genetics too, right? Correct. DNA is valuable across the universe. Now, DNA is 80% memories. You have to understand that part. So yes, they're trading in powerful memories that give you access to technologies, such as psychic technologies of how to advance spirit through learning. So when a species gets wisdom it's not ready for and its culture isn't prepared for it can rapidly destroy that species it's why many off-world beings no longer have sex organs and they can't naturally procreate anymore so we still have sex organs and natural procreation and natural living here so they come here to harvest that energy and the dna in hopes that they can reverse engineer their negative processes that they went through now there are thousands and thousands of species out there who have not had any form of natural birth in hundreds of thousands of years, and they can't clone anymore. Their whole species will die out. But they cannot aggressively steal DNA from us. We have to willingly give it to them if their race is to survive. And as we go through the grander awakening, what we'll, do, what we'll understand is your mom's chicken soup has a value of energy to the rest of the universe as a memory. Your experience with your brothers and sisters good or bad has a value to those who've never had that and are about to give their first birth imagine being eighty thousand years old and how to have your first period how to have swollen feet how to be pregnant how to love a child how to nurture it all that's completely foreign to them and we take it for granted right We'll leave it with this. Andrew, is there anything else you wanted to say? I, the last thing I guess is what is the most important thing right now that pe people need to know? Okay, so the most important thing is self-healing, self-nurturing, and self-mastery. That's the greatest gift you can give the whole world right now by going into yourself, healing yourself, nurturing yourself, and mastering yourself so you do the basics until your blood boils and you do them some more, and then you're ready to explore. And doing the basics until your blood boils got to be a passion. It can't be a chore. Courage is not mystical. Commitment is not mystical. But those are all things we learn to summon at any moment. Your free will has to be used at all times. That's what comes with the awakening. Responsibility. You can go to my website, andrewbartsis.com. You can find me on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and all the other social media places. Thousands of hours of free material out there for you to listen to. Andrew, it's such a joy, a pleasure, honor. It's always a good time being involved with anything you're doing pretty much that I know of. And wish you all the most ideal and optimal consciousness and energy for the rest of your day, morning, evening, good night.